Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Don O'Connell. He's the CEO of Charles and Colvard. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Jeff. So, Don, for those that aren't familiar with Charles and Colvard, uh, can you give us just a quick overview of the company? Sure. Charles and Colvard is a jewelry company that's been established for well over 27 years. Uh, primarily in the lab-grown uh, gemstone and jewelry space. Uh, most recently, uh, Charles and Colvard has also um, entered into the lab-grown diamond gemstone world, too, as well. Uh, you know, we specialize in incredible jewelry that are sustainable and ethically manufactured. Uh, we believe that we've got, you know, an incredible offering to, you know, most of the fine jewelry market. Uh, certainly, we have... Um, you know, incredible bridal jewelry is probably uh, the largest category for our brand and to our consumers. We're expanding more into the fashion realm now as well, and we believe that we're doing a great job in bringing uh, quality um, price and affordability to the market, and we believe that we're an industry leader. We believe we're bringing brand equity uh, every single day by the customer experience and, and everything that we bring to the market. I think you're relatively new to the company. Is that correct? That is correct. So uh, most recently, I became the CEO of CTHR, Charles and Colvard, uh, about a year and four months ago. Uh, prior to that, I was in the capacity as the chief uh, operating officer. Okay. Before that, what's your background, just briefly, and what uh, attracted you to Charles and Colvard? Yeah, great question. So prior to coming to Charles and Colvard, I was uh, in the investment management group side of um, – pretty much primarily uh, the jewelry market or jewelry industry. And prior to that, I was with a company called uh, the Richline Group, which is a Berkshire Hathaway-owned and operated company, uh, ran um, all operations, supply chain, uh, distribution and fulfillment for that organization for approximately seven years. Uh, it was a great opportunity, uh, probably one of the largest, if not the largest jewelry concern, supplying both uh, manufactured goods, distributors, and wholesalers. Uh, into the jewelry market, supplying most big box retailers, etc. Okay. Um, now, w where do you guys fit in in the in the competitive landscape here? Because it's obviously a big market. We don't have to ask the size. So let's talk a little bit about uh, on the moissanite uh, category. So Charles and Colvard specialize in a gemstone called moissanite. This is a silicon carbide gemstone uh, based off silicon and carbon. So we are the original innovators, the inventors of moissanite. It's a rare mineral that's uh, really not easily found on Earth. We're actually a synthetic, which is authentic to its um, chemical and physical composition, uh, as well as carbon, as well as carbon-based, which is a diamond, also um, physical and chemically the same, and both grown in a lab. So. So that's really our claim to fame, and that's what we're most recognized for in the moissanite up until now in lab-grown diamonds as well. Okay. So is there anything proprietary here? I, I know at one time I believe you had an exclusive for, for moissanite, but I don't think that's the case any longer. Right. So actually it's kind of helped us a little bit along the way. We did um, have a patent uh, for 20 years. That patent expired uh, years ago, uh, really right when I came in. Uh, to the organization as the chief operating officer. And, you know, we, we have built the best 
the best of breed in the product and the material, and we've been innovating for 20 years, so we obviously had a head start over everyone else. Uh, certainly, uh, the Asia-Pac region has tried to, you know, kind of, you know, emulate our products and emulate the quality, but they haven't been able to get, you know, to where we are. Uh, we also um, do have some microbite-free patents under our uh, supply chain agreement with uh, Wolfspeed and Cree, uh, which is our primary supplier. So we're able to kind of build and bring the market kind of the best of the best. Plus, we're constantly innovating and changing and evolving our material, and we have our own proprietary line, which is our product, which is Forever One. So in the market, Forever One is synonymous with the quality of moissanite and the best of the best. Okay. And so for making these, are, are there any challenges in terms of supply chain or are the materials readily available? I mean, for, for us, there is not because we have a well-established uh, supply chain that's been around a long time uh, from the growing cycle to the rough material to the faceting and cutting, and we've actually expanded that over the last uh, pretty much seven years or five to six years. Uh, the others are still trying to catch up and trying to scale. Uh, in our particular case, we believe that we have a major competitive advantage in that arena. So, so years ago, I, you know, I remember there was um, some acceptance issues for for moissanite. How about with lab-grown diamonds? Is that readily acceptable? So, right now, uh, lab-grown diamond is probably the hottest trend, or has the biggest movement or momentum in our industry in a very long time. So, it's a uh, very um, widely adapted right now. Even De Beers, who's the 10,000-pound gorilla, is in the space in a very big, meaningful way. They've uh, put tremendous amount of capital and resources there. Uh, you probably heard of Pandora. Pandora now has shifted only to lab-grown diamonds uh, in all of their locations and their offerings moving forward. Uh, we know that uh, you know, the published TAM right now is about $5.3 billion opportunity in just the lab-grown diamond space. So that's a really, really good thing, and we're positioned well. Uh, we're certainly, um, you know, directly in a position right now to enter into the holiday in a meaningful way in that category, in that product mix, in the product category. So now we offer that consumer the choice where Charles and Colbard, going back to your last question, did not offer that choice. We were pretty much single-threaded as a Moissanite gemstone company, and now we have the ability to offer the choice between offering both the diamond and the moissanite as an option for that consumer, depending on if that consumer's predisposed to a diamond just because through generations they've heard that. Um, and, and basically we're letting them choose once they're driven to the site to make that choice. Okay. So in terms of scaling up, you know, how long or what's the lead time to, to make a gem? Yeah, so great question. So uh, certainly a lot less than it was in the past. You know, what I did – uh, for this company uh, early on was trying to uh, look for alternative suppliers and being with uh, the Richline Group for those years, I had access to the largest vendor community uh, pretty much globally, and I was able to bring some of those relationships into play and really scale our overall capacity. For the size of our business, we believe that we're in a really good place. We believe we have incredible uh, capacity to kind of continue to grow and scale this business uh, literally tenfold. Uh, in the short term, and we believe that we're doing a good job, and we were able to build the best of breed in, in kind of supply, vendor community, distribution, fulfillment uh, to kind of grow this thing where we want it to be. So, so who is your customer? 
Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we were primarily, um, you know, focused on uh, the millennial consumer for the last couple of years now. So certainly there's a huge concentration with millennial and Gen Z, but we believe our customer is, is every category, even from, you know, the Gen Xs, the baby boomers, all across the board. Because we have something to offer all the consumers now with the lab-grown diamond additive as well as with the moissanite. In the moissanite category, you know, the larger gemstones from 2 carat and up maybe appeal to more of a, you know, a baby boomer millennial-ish or baby boomer type. Uh, certainly the 2 carat and below in the lab-grown diamond is more of the millennial with a petite uh, kind of affordability. And again, like I spoke before, those who are predisposed to the diamonds uh, would certainly kind of gravitate to our lab-grown diamond. So how are you reaching uh, the customer? What, what channels? So we have two channels. We have what we call, we have channel segments. So one segment is our traditional segment. In our traditional segment, we have our brick-and-mortar retailers. For example, uh, Macy's in-store programs. We have Hellsberg Diamond, uh, all of their doors with in-store program. We have a huge program there uh, for our Forever One Moissanite there. And Macy's, we offer our Moissanite by Charles and Colbard. Uh, also, um, as well as that, our online business, so that is Charles and Colbard Direct, which is our owned property, charlesandcolbard.com. And then we have our moissaniteoutlet.com, which is also an owned property of Charles and Colbard, where we go direct to the consumer, and that's where we kind of uh, really showcase our products and we understand what that consumer is looking for on a day-to-day basis. And that is one part of our online business strategy. We also sell into a uh, dropship program, and that dropship program consist of the Coles, the Macy's, the Hudson Bay's, the overstocks of the world, where we pick, pack, and ship, and that consumer's journey starts on their web presences, and then we actually pull from our inventory and we drop ship those consumers. And with that being said as well, we also have a marketplace portion of our business, which is the Amazon, the Ebay's, and the Walmarts of the world, which would be under the marketplaces. And where do you see that going? What's the the faster-growing segment? Well, certainly online is great for us because we get to achieve higher margins, and that's really what we're focused on. That direct-to-consumer is really, really important. Uh, however, in the last uh, quarter, um, you've seen a real resurgence of our traditional side moving up because of our, our distribution partners and our overall awareness campaign to the trade, kind of telling everyone that Forever One Moissanite is the premium and the pinnacle product. So that's also elevating now. But really, our goal and our trajectory and where this business is going is direct-to-consumer. So the numbers have been coming through nicely in the last quarter. Is that what you attribute to, or or what do you attribute uh, that to? Yeah, so it's a combination of a lot of different things. It's a combination of our our marketing strategy, our overall campaigns, you know, shifting our whole methodology about how we did marketing in the past and what we need to do today for today's consumer. Certainly, it's the product mix of offering those choices to that consumer. Certainly, it's uh, today's uh, you know, consumer is looking for sustainable and ethically responsible items, and we fit that profile. We believe that we're in a perfect time in today's world for that consumer, so that's helped. Certainly, uh, our assortment and our product mix and our design aesthetic, our merchandising teams, product development teams have done a phenomenal job in bringing some really, really beautiful styling. Um, as well as we brought forward our proprietary signature collection, 
which is unique to us, and it's that what we call our red thread. So that's kind of the, you know, I hate to use the term, but the Yerman-esque kind of look of that red thread, but it's actually signature, and it's Charles and Colbard. And uh, if you go on charlesandcolbard.com, you can get a better understanding and really take a look at what our, our floret or our logo and our signature pieces represent and what it looks, looks like. Certainly there's a video there too as well to kind of tell that story, which is pretty great, and it's worth the, worth the time to look at. Okay, and then how about the, the margins on uh, online and, and traditional? Yeah, so we, we have a blended margin, so we pull our margins together. Um, certainly the traditional side of brick and mortar is a wholesale type environment. Our distribution partners who sell to all the independents, our products, is a little bit lower margin. And certainly on a direct-to-consumer, uh, it's certainly higher. So we've been tracking about 45%. Uh, and then 47% overall the last year. So the margins remain very strong and really, really nicely blended. Okay. And, and for the online portion, uh, how are you driving traffic there? Do you, do you have it down to a, a customer acquisition cost and you're spending advertising and throwing more money will help, or, or what's the situation there? Yeah, so certainly, um, you know, for us, you know, we have, you know, a PR team, we have a marketing team, we have a strategy and a methodology. So in that methodology, we use a PESO model, which is paid, earned, shared, and owned. On the paid side of the equation, we used to use more of a top of funnel, but it's very difficult to build a lifestyle brand and not, not burn through a tremendous amount of capital and not get that conversion where it needs to be. So what we did was we kind of, we, we left the top of funnel to more of, kind of that earned and shared media side of it, and the paid we're focusing on mid to lower funnel, and really keyword specific and what we know that's absolutely converting, and we'll just keep deploying money, and we've actually uh, continued to deploy money over the course of the year, and it's actually effectively working very well and significant for us, and we're getting a lot of growth there. Um, we're getting a lot more growth because of the focused attention to our brand, the brand equity and the awareness of the community uh, by Instagram live feeds, uh, streaming videos, a lot more video content, which is really the future state of Charles and Colbert too as well, uh, which we can get into a little bit later. But certainly uh, those are key things for us. The other thing, uh, Jeff, is that by us introducing Lab Grown Diamond, we're now in the conversation. We were not in the conversation as Moissanite alone. You know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, the diamond conversation at nomenclature has driven more traffic, more people to our site. It's also opened up a lot more avenues for us to advertise in, to be party to that conversation. And that traffic is driving to the site, which the reality is it's actually grown our moistenite business by 86%. Because even that diamond consumer who's predisposed to a diamond or lab-grown diamond is now recognizing moistenite for the first time. And now they're building the case for, hey, why do I need that diamond when I can buy uh, moissanite for a fraction of the price with the same 14 karat, 18 karat, and platinum, you know, metals with intrinsic value that's a commodity. So it's, a, it's, it's really a good time for us, and we believe that, you know, the diamond aspect is a great factor for us. As far as the customer acquisition cost, you know, we kind of break down only charlesandcobar.com. You know, basically, we were running very, very high in, you know, in the 20s in 2020, uh, which ran as high as, you know, $350, $360. And we've got that now down to about uh, $100 less, around $260. Okay. 
But we believe that that's very effective, and now we know we're using our capital in a better way. Okay, so it, it sounds like you're growing um, everywhere, but what's your overall growth strategy? Yeah, let me just talk a little bit about that customer acquisition cost too as well, if I may just revert back. Sure. Also, with that being said, our AOVs are also climbing too as well. So our AOV, which historically we've kind of brought up to 1,000, 1,100, is now starting to increase and creep up even higher for us. So that customer acquisition cost is really in a good place for us given the AOVs and the increase in AOVs. Can, can you strategy, define AOV? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the average order value. Okay. So for every item that's purchased under our, our company and our direct-to-consumer business under charlesandcobart.com, the average order that comes in is $1,000 and up. Uh, now, are you just selling in the U.S. or, or internationally as well? So, so we do uh, sell internationally uh, through cross-border trade. We do have international distributors under our traditional segment, which we sell. Uh, we did have some headwinds. Uh, prior when COVID first came out between the international side, we wanted to focus all of our attention over the last year, which was the right decision for the business, and the growth is tremendous. Uh, and we were able to fill the gaps on the international side. Cross-border trade and international are starting to come back and emerge back into the, into the, you know, the positive side of the business and the trajectory. There's a tremendous amount of market opportunity here in the United States, and what we're doing here, we're doing quite well. Cross-border trade is growing, and uh, certainly areas like Canada, uh, Australia, or places that we, we tap into, and we do quite well there, too, as well. Okay. So it seems like uh, the growth has been all internal. Are, are acquisitions part of the strategy? You know, certainly we've got some incredible initiatives moving forward, uh, certainly with the addition of lab-grown diamonds, looking at other product categories that we could get into uh, to kind of grow the business. Uh, we've got uh, this new initiative with our uh, – we're building out a studio and streaming videos, so that's going to be uh, where the growth is going to be coming. That will give us an opportunity if we wanted to stream live shopping, if we wanted to stream a YouTube live channel, uh, similar to like a QVC-type channel in that category. Uh, certainly we're streaming through our web presence and our web property uh, coming uh, here soon, which we made an announcement through the year end and the quarter. And certainly, uh, there's a growth trajectory right now where we're building out our own Charles and Colbert signature showroom stores. Uh, look for that to be coming forward to as well. We'll look to uh, tap into all the demos that are working well in our direct-to-consumer business model, uh, as well as to answer your question for acquisition. You know, I come from a Berkshire Hathaway type mentality. Before we grew very strongly through acquisition. Uh, but I believe we essentially have tremendous amount of cash on hand with no debt. There's certainly an opportunity for acquisitions, but organic growth is here, and if an opportunity comes, you know, we'll, we'll kind of look at that. We'll see that we're aligned, and if it makes sense either, you know, lateral, horizontal, or, uh, you know, from a, you know, either supply chain perspective or even a growth perspective to the direct-to-consumer uh, aspect, we'll certainly consider those options. Okay. And so how about tailwinds or, or key uh, growth drivers for you? Yeah. So right now, uh, the product categories and the growth drivers are basically just the overall awareness of lab-grown and lab-grown movement. So uh, also there's uh, another really nice retail uh, company that's coming out right now uh, by the name of Brilliant Earth. So uh, it's a 
you know, they're about to initiate their IPO. I believe, you know, from our perspective, we're aligned with them in a lot of ways. The difference between us and the fundamental difference is, you know, we'll do more streaming and more initiatives related to direct-to-consumer and being everywhere that consumer is. So we'll have a wider reach and we'll cast a bigger net. Uh, certainly their revenue is very, very strong. They do natural diamonds and mine diamonds. We are not in that category at this stage. Uh, we predominantly focus in the lab-grown gem space. So we believe that the recognition of them as a brand and a strong brand uh, is, has a lot of similarities to us. Also the multiples that they're trading at, the overall awareness, um, us being in the same conversation with them as a competitor is also helping the cause and also, um, you know, the retail appetite right now in the retail space and the overall jewelry market uh, is experiencing tremendous growth right now. You know, we've had, a, we had a great year. We've had tremendous growth. But I think the overall jewelry sector is growing quite well. I think all of that discretionary income that's out there is both, you know, bodes well for us in the future. I believe that the pent-up uh, weddings and you know, bridal venues and all these type of things that are coming forward uh, bodes well for Charles and Colvard. I think the fashion world and the fashion, even on the virtual conversations, people want to dress up and they want to wear, you know, kind of their earrings and their pendants and things while they're kind of communicating in a more virtual world kind of bodes well for us too as well, and it's actually helping the cause. Okay. So as we watch uh, the company over the next 12 months, let's say, what are some of the events or catalysts uh, that, that we might see? Yeah, so look to us to kind of actually launch our uh, streaming platform and really the go live moment for that, uh, which is really going to be fun and critical. Look to us to continue the brand, to build the brand and the brand equity and visibility of Charles and Colvard and why we are the brand to purchase from and why our experience and everything we stand for is meaningful and really, um, you know, represents really today's consumer. Look to us to kind of initiate the go live with our signature store or signature showroom strategy, kind of what that's going to look like and what the future state's going to be for that. Look for those type of catalysts that's going to bring us forward. Look for uh, incredible products that are coming forward with new products that are meaningful that actually will be accretive and added to the business. Look for us to expand on our signature collection, which is actually resonating with our consumers in a very, very strong way. We saw a 242% increase uh, of our patented signature collection uh, over the prior uh, year's quarter uh, and, and over the prior year at 81%. So look to us to focus on that proprietary brand, telling the story why that is a differentiator and why uh, it stands for quality and that consumer um, should be looking for that every single day when they're looking for a brand and a brand uh, you know, is really critical in the environment today. I believe that the brand uh, and actually, um, you know, I forget where the quote was, but uh, I believe it actually was in a prospectus that I just read of a prior company that I just responded to that brands can command higher retails and uh, we certainly fit that category. So for us to maintain our margin and where we need to be, we need to do a really good job in our brand presence and kind of that taste of that brand when somebody says the name. Uh, it's synonymous with quality as well as value, which we stand for. 
Very good. So before we go, is is there anything uh, I should have asked that I didn't, and uh, or anything that you want to leave us with? You know, certainly from the investor community, uh, you know, we stand for the wealth effect. We're trying to achieve that for ourselves, internal stakeholders, and also shareholders. You know, certainly from my perspective as a large shareholder in the company too, as well. You know, we're you know we're into bringing shareholder value every day. We have to do a really good job and letting people know, and I use this analogy uh, about the tree growing in the forest. You know, we have to do a better job as a company and a publicly traded company to kind of let people know who we are and what we're about and why this is an incredible opportunity and why we're trading at such a low multiple right now. And uh, there's tremendous growth for us, and it's a tremendous opportunity. We'd like to also say, you know, just take a look at our company over the last 12 months of reported earnings and look at the trajectory and look at the growth and look at what we're doing and really understand the value of what we're presenting and what we're bringing forward every day and know that every single uh, employee within our organization is also an equity shareholder in the business too as well and has incentives and an initiative to grow this business and drive value every single day. And that's really what we, we strive to do and achieve in the short and long run. Well, it does seem like you're hitting on all cylinders, uh, and I really thank you for taking the time and sharing the story. No, great, Jeff. We really appreciate the opportunity, and you've given us a, kind of a vehicle to kind of spread the word and tell everybody about Charles and Colvard and CTHR and look for our growth and, uh, and see the future state.